Luke, in his Gospel, in chapter 11 and verse 9, writes these words of Jesus. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Of course, these familiar words of Jesus come shortly after Jesus has responded to the disciples' request to teach us how to pray by introducing them to the Lord's Prayer, as we've reflected upon already. But if we take these words at face value, then they represent the basis of a, a very special relationship with someone who really loves us. But they also pose for me the question of, well, how important is it for us to ask, seek, and knock? How important is it for us to pray? This morning, I want to reflect upon these words of Jesus and in this passage, and also draw on the message that Paul had for the Colossians as we consider together the importance of prayer in our lives. To do so, I want to consider first of all with you why some people would say that prayer is irrelevant. Then to look at prayer in the context of our relationship with God and, and finally share with you something about the nature of God that sets these words of Jesus in context. So, Prayer is irrelevant. Well, some people would argue that very strongly. And I want to explore the arguments that people might use to say that prayer is completely irrelevant. Firstly, some people might say that prayer is unnecessary. Lots of people get on fine without prayer. Indeed, they seem to receive the same as us by working for it, not praying for it. However, it seems to me that we need to distinguish between those gifts that come from God as creator and those gifts that come from him as father, what you might call creation gifts and redemption gifts. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 45, Jesus says, For God makes his sun to shine on the bad and good people alike, and gives rain to those who do good and those who do evil. Such gifts are creation gifts. But God's redemption gifts, although available for everyone, are only given to those who ask for them. The Lord's Prayer, in a sense, brings together both types of gifts, daily bread, the needs of, that people have on a daily basis are in the main creation gifts that are available for all. But forgiveness and deliverance from evil, they're redemption gifts. And as Christians, we need to continue to ask for these gifts as we go through our lives. So I would argue very strongly that prayer is not 
unnecessary. Secondly, some people would take the opposite view and say that prayer is unproductive. Many people bring prayers before God and they're, they're not answered, it seems. An exam is failed despite prayer for it. An illness gets worse, not better. World peace or ending poverty seems further away than ever. Millions of us are praying at the moment for an end to the war in Ukraine. And yet, it hasn't happened yet. I wonder how many of you have seen the pantomime Aladdin, maybe on the stage or maybe the Disney cartoon version. One of my favourite characters in that pantomime is the genie of the lamp. Aladdin rubs the lamp and the genie appears saying, your wish is my command. But prayer isn't like that. It's not some kind of magic wand that you can wave to have every request granted and every dream come true. In a sense, it's just as well, isn't it? Could we bear the burden of knowing that God was pledged to give whatever we wanted, when we wanted it, in exactly the terms that we asked for it? I think that would be too big a burden to bear. Those of us who've been parents, we can recall some of the requests that our children might have made when they were younger, and how inappropriate it would have been to grant those requests. Love is sometimes demonstrated in refusing such requests. Jesus tells his disciples that what the Father offers to us and them is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the best possible gift of all. And he draws in this passage from Luke the analogy with the sort of gifts that are an earthly father or mother might give. A fish, not a snake. Eggs, not a scorpion. And he reassures us that the gifts from our Heavenly Father will be good things. Things that we need to serve Him and help bring about the coming of His kingdom. Sometimes it does appear that our prayers are not answered. But that might be because what we're asking for is not part of God's purpose. Or it may be that he has answered the prayer, but it wasn't what we were expecting, it wasn't what we wanted, it wasn't what we were looking for. And we need to recognise that sometimes. Or perhaps it's a matter of timing, of patience, needing to await God's answer. Either way, whichever way you look at it, I don't think prayer is unproductive. But I think it's a really important part of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. He wants to give us good things, especially the gift of His Holy Spirit. The third and final argument that people might put forward to say that prayer is unnecessary is that it's it's unseemly. 
suggesting that prayer implies that God needs to be told or, or bullied into giving us what we want, which isn't the case, and that it's inappropriate to bother him with our trivial affairs, and that he knows everything anyway, so what are we telling him that's new? But I think this view misses the point about our personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. A Heavenly Father that loves each one of us individually. He wants us to communicate with Him. He wants to hear from us. He wants to speak to us. So, prayer isn't so much about whether or not God is prepared to give, but much more about whether we are prepared to receive. I remember from years ago the, the story of a man who uh, prayed because he thought he was going to drown. He asked for God's help to rescue him. And a boat passes by and offers to throw a life belt out to him. He says, no, 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 God's going to rescue me. And then the lifeboat turns up and says, we've come to rescue you. No, 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 God's going to rescue me. And then the air-sea rescue helicopter comes and says, through the loud hailer, you know, grab onto this rope we're passing down, we've come to rescue you. No, no, God's going to come and rescue me. And then he drowns. And he turns up at the gates of heaven and says, I prayed that you were going to rescue me. And God says to him, well, I sent a boat, the lifeboat and the helicopter. What more did you want? So God answers our prayers, but not always in the way in which we are expecting. And we have to be open to receiving from him the gifts that he gives us, that enable us to serve him in our lives. So prayer isn't so much about prevailing upon God. It's about prevailing on ourselves to submit to God, to his will for our lives. About allowing him to use us when we pray, your kingdom come. So prayer is not unseemly. But again, it's an essential part of that relationship with God. So my argument is that prayer is not irrelevant, it's not unnecessarily unnecessary, it's not unproductive, it's not unseemly. Instead, it's a core part of that relationship with our loving Father. So to conclude, I just want to spend a few moments thinking about two aspects of that relationship, drawing on Paul's message to the church at Colossae and linking that to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Now, as is the case with many of Paul's letters, the reason he wrote to the church at Colossae is to oppose some false teaching that he's heard about and to reinforce the true message of the gospel, which comes across powerfully in the passage that Alan read for us earlier. And the imagery that Paul uses in, in chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15 is very powerful. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge 
of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Powerful words indeed. God's amazing gift of love for each and every one of us ensures that when we pray, forgive us our trespasses, then we can have absolute confidence that provided we mean it, then we will be forgiven. Of course, it requires us, as the prayer says, to forgive others too. God recognises our continued human frailty And through the death of Jesus on the cross, he gives us that opportunity to be put right in our relationship with him whenever we let him down and to continue to call upon those good gifts that are on offer for us as we seek to do his will. I think those opening verses that I shared at the beginning of the service sum up what we should be striving to achieve so well. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And there can be no doubt that prayer has an important part to play in keeping our roots deep in him, in building our lives in him, and becoming stronger in our faith the result of which will be this overflowing of thankfulness. Because this is the God who teaches us to call him Abba, Father, Daddy. Finally, as we reflect upon the importance of prayer and the encouragement of Jesus to ask, seek and knock, I want to share with you something from a book that I read a couple of years ago, which I may have quoted from before here, that looks at the nature of God as expressed in one single Hebrew word. That word is hesed. The book I read is by a man called Michael Card. It's called Inexpressible, Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. In the Hebrew Bible, the word hesed is used almost 250 times to describe the nature of God. But there's very much a sense in which it's context-specific and and it's difficult to translate into English. In fact, if you took six different translations into English, you would find this word translated into over a hundred different English words. That's how difficult it is. Hence the book's title, Inexpressible. As the book explores the different uses of the word in the Bible, Michael Card offers a definition that's not a word but a sentence. It's a short phrase. He doesn't claim it as his own definition, but he confesses in the book that he's forgotten where he learned the phrase from. It's this. When the one from whom you have a right to expect nothing gives you everything. That's Hesed. 
That's just the picture that Jesus is trying to get across in this simple parable that forms part of our reading from Luke's Gospel when, when the man knocks on his neighbor's door and his neighbor's asleep with his children in bed, but the man's got a visitor. He's got no bread. It's a terrible, uh, shameful thing not to be able to give hospitality. So he wakes his friend up, and his friend tells him to go away. But then his friend relents because of the man's perseverance and gives him the bread. The man doesn't deserve the bread. He hasn't earned it. But his friend gives it to him out of love. And Jesus ends the passage with these words. If you, though, you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Which is, brings us back to the nature of God. When the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. That's our Heavenly Father. If only we will ask, seek, and knock. Amen.